0: This is episode 24 of Collector's Quest. Today, Kat and I talk about motivations and how that keeps you collecting and how those motivations change and sculpt the way you collect and maybe some things that might demotivate collectors. A few quick notes. People have asked how they can help the show and the best thing you can do for us right now is please go onto iTunes and just give us a rating. If you're gonna give us a one star, I don't know, go do anything else. But if you're gonna give us a fair review, then go ahead and throw that up. That would be very helpful, and we'd appreciate it. And then I also do a really bad Canadian accent in this episode, so I'm really sorry about that, uh, uh shit, sorry. I mean, sorry. Oh, boy, there we go. Welcome back to another edition of Collector's Quest. I'm here with my co-host, Kat. Hey, Kat, how's it going?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Oh, you know, I'm getting by, just ready to get into this podcast. How about you?
1: That sounds good to me.
0: All right, go.
1: (laughs) Go. So today we're going to talk about collector motivation, what started out getting us to collect and how it changes, because I think for a lot of collectors, it kind of changes throughout the process and as we evolve as collectors.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that statement. When you when you begin, like, I think most of us start out with nostalgia as the force that kind of drives us to get into collecting. And then, eventually, I mean, not for everybody, but people who keep collecting beyond just, oh, I wanted a few of these games I had as a kid. Something has to give, right? You have to evolve a little bit. The It has to deepen. For me, it became, oh, I would like to do sets. And then the idea of completing sets is what propelled me. And I, I think that happened to you as well, right?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, because it gets to a point where it's exciting, and you're collecting things, and it's cool to bring back the nostalgia, but then you get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm at 200 games, and I want to get to 250, and I want to get to 300, and obviously in any library there are games we could care less if we had. Um, so I do agree, there has to be a point when it it changes from just being nostalgic-based, because I think if it was just nostalgia, we'd have like these perfectly curated collections that meant every piece was sentimental to us for a reason.
0: Right. And I, I mean, I think some people are inspired by learning about libraries. That's one of the things that happened with me because I wasn't very familiar with Sega. Of course I had, I played quite a few Genesis games uh growing up from my cousins, but I never owned a Genesis personally. Okay. So it was always like, oh, I borrowed somebody's Sega. So I only got to experience like what they wanted. Never, never did I get to see an ad and be like, this is the Genesis game I want to play. So when I got into collecting and after picking up uh, tons of Sega stuff, just kind of coincidentally, then I started to like really dig into the library. I was like, oh man, I want to see what else I didn't know about as a kid. I, oh, I wonder if this game is any good to play. Like, There was a lot of things I didn't know, uh, so I, I really was inspired by that. That became a big driving force for what led me to complete the Genesis Collection.
1: Oh, that's cool. So it's apart from being nostalgic based, but that's a good point. That's a really great way to to learn about a system, because when you do collect, you do t- tend to surround yourself with knowledge because you want to know about the games and what you're getting. Or, you know, you've come across a game that you've never seen before. And what do you do? You Google it because you want to know what it is.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and also monetary, right? You have to know about the library so you're not overspending on games or so you're learning what people are looking for. You have to be armed with some knowledge, unless you're armed with uh, more money than knowledge, which some collectors are. I am not, so I have to learn and like dink and dunk and, and try and get my deals where I can.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That That's a good point.
0: I think you would want to do yourself a disservice by not knowing what the classics of a system are, right? Because sure, you could be like, I'm a Genesis collector. I bought all the Maddens. And maybe you're a Madden guy and there are people who collect Madden and that's great, but all the, let's say, all the EA sports titles, I guess, but you're really missing out on the meat of the library, right? You're missing out on the Sonics, the Shining Force, the Gunstar Heroes, you know, Altered Beast. You're missing the games that make that system a classic, so, you know, if you don't have any knowledge, you might not know that.
1: Yeah, and and that's a good point, and I, I do like the idea of collecting for something and getting to learn about it, because you do, you're right, you want to get the best deals you can, and you know, really have things that represent that system, especially if you weren't going to go for a set and you were going to go for something curated and it's a system that wasn't nostalgic. I think you'd want to have like a really amazing curated collection that showed the best of the system.
0: Right. If you're not just like, uh, you know, me and a garbage hunter taking every single Genesis game that ever was good or bad, you might want to know more about it. For me, you know, a big part of it was I had to find out what that library looked like. With Nintendo, Nintendo is very fleshed out. Genesis was a lot more, uh, up in the air and, uh, up for debate. Especially with things like the cardboard boxes. So I, I really had to dig into it and then, uh, discover it. And then I got through that, discovered some of the gems and like the renovation titles and some of the other RPGs. Like I I found out uh, a good deal about the system. Now I know quite a bit, but I also, you know, it led me to fall in love with some games I otherwise would have missed.
1: Okay, that's that's interesting. And what makes me wonder about you is because obviously you have a large collection, what's the motivation to keep it going now, to continue on? Because there's a lot of things you already have.
0: Yes, and um, you bring up a, a sticky point with me. And this, this will get into kind of my backstory. I am primarily, number one, started collecting for nostalgia, and a lot of that was based on Super Nintendo. And if you look at my collection, you'll say, well, what the hell? You've got all this stuff. You didn't finish your super library. You're just finishing it up now. You've been at this, you know, since 2004. Yes. And the reason that is, is the super is kind of, it's the one set I wanted to take my time with one, two, I'm kind of uh, in a weird space where I feel like once I put that last super game on the shelf, that that's going to be it. The magic's going to be over. The spell will be broken. And I will return to my non-collector status. I'll just be like, done, did it. I guess that's over. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do have like this kind of weird fear behind me. There's a there's a whole big emotional component to the Super Nintendo, and maybe we'll get into that uh, on a later episode. There's a whole story, but it's it's a personal system for me, so I don't know what to do. So I've kind of danced around collecting Super Nintendo. I've always picked up a few titles here and there. And now I find myself getting very close to the end, so I'm pretty nervous.
1: Yeah, because if that's your kind of one driving factor, I mean, what, is there something to keep you going? Or are you just going to be like, this is my fabulous collection? I love it, but I don't want to collect I don't
0: anymore. know. Um, Super Nintendo is the is the hole inside of me that I've kept throwing games into. It's allowed me to, so I don't know if, if once I finish that, it'll fill up that hole. I don't know if that will uh, suddenly complete... A- the collection of me being a a collector i don't know if that's what'll happen i don't want it to but i i don't know if i have any more left uh, for to to collect in this fashion to collect sets i love games and i love to explore systems and i love to play games but you know super is it's pretty personal so i, I don't know if i don't know if that exists inside of me to be like okay i'm going to keep going uh, i have the game gear collection that i'm kind of close on and but i've been close on that for several years, I'm like 50 carts away. I decided a long time ago I'm just going to do the carts, even though I have like 70 boxes. I'm like, none of this is too hard to get. This is what I'm going to do. This is my focus. I'll just pick up these kind of on the side. But I haven't really. It hasn't. Uh, it hasn't grabbed me. And yes, I know I'm not really a portable guy, so that's kind of part of it. But uh, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm also kind of collecting the Wii. Uh, I don't know if. If I don't know if I have the motivation to complete 1,200 Wii games. Right now it's fun and amusing because it's like watching bad movies, but I don't know if that drive inside me is still there. But what about you? What are you, you finished your NES set and uh, you are almost done with N64 and you're almost finished with Master System. What's the motivation that keeps you going? I'm assuming that N64 is the nostalgia system for you because you and you and John are a little bit too young actually for NES. So like, what is that? Like, how did that happen?
1: Um, I've always liked the N64, um, I still have my original N64, I have my original Donkey Kong cart, and it was certainly a system I played a lot with my friends. So when the NES stack got finished, it was just the logical next step. I wanted to be able to have some of the games I really liked playing, and then that kind of turned into, oh, just a few more, and then, oh, well, you know what, it's not a huge library, so we should be able to complete it. And, you know, it's not far off there and I could finish it really quickly, but I'm kind of enjoying the process of still being able to find the odd thing here and there and not putting too much pressure on it. So it's still fun. Um, And then the master system is just kind of a cool system. Um, Again, so little left on that one that it could be done right away, but I'm kind of in the same boat. It's like once that's finished, I'm not sure where I want to go like when the n sixty four is done and the the master system's done like where's the focus gonna be i would like to do game boy but I think it would be more in a curated fashion because I would want to do at least cart and box if not c i b and and that's something that I don't feel like I'd want to take on the task of doing the entire library that way
0: that that makes sense uh, i mean I think you could game boy is really hard right we uh we talked to dan and he says he thinks it's one of the the hardest libraries to complete, uh, and I would tend to agree. Also, very pricey, and uh, yes. it's not just that it's pricey. They only come up every so often, so that's kind of like um, that's playing the long game in collecting. If you if you uh, get into Game Boy,
1: and that's why I think the motivation would be just kind of curate it. Nice to have things. Obviously, anything I found complete in box that was a good price I would never turn it down even if it was something I didn't want to have but also where I want to go in my collecting it's kind of depends on how game sales continue to trend because prices keep going up and up and obviously you know when I started doing NES it's it's not the same as it was then and it's so much more expensive to collect now and I think for me that's gonna at some point play a factor
0: yeah, price I'm I'm curious about price. I'm wondering if we're getting to the point now where game prices are so high that price is becoming a demotivator rather than a motivator. Um right. I still think you're going to have people um resellers and stuff jumping in and people and I don't mean like the resellers who sell a little bit and also collect or have a passion for games. I mean people who uh you know, I don't want to say cold-blooded, but they it it's just business to them. They don't care about games. They are just um people who have seen an opportunity to make money and are exploiting it. Or maybe not exploiting it, but using it to their benefit. Um I, I think those people are, are still gonna be around, but how does that how does that work? Is that is it getting even too expensive for them? Is the client base is like the nostalgia collectors, are we pricing them out? So I, I don't know where that bar is where the price gets so high that Uh, you know, the people who aren't super committed collectors, the more basic fans just kind of fall out of the bottom because they can't afford it versus, you know, the, the hardcore collectors who are still willing to pay the money. I I don't know where that, uh, that balancing point is.
1: And I I think that it's kind of hard to, to figure that out. And I'm sure that there are people who probably start collecting now and go, holy cow, this is so friggin' expensive.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people come and go, and it's, a lot of times they quote price. And that's the other thing. I, I You and I can sit here and say right now, like, man, these game prices are ridiculous. And for the record, I believe they are ridiculous and overpriced, and I can't believe some of the money I've spent on video games. But I said the same thing in 2011. I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. I, I can't see anyone continuing to do this. I don't know how I'll continue to to do this. Five years later, here I am. I'm still here.
1: Uh, And that's, you know, that's a fair point. I I think we can always find something to complain about. Um, I think that's a a no-brainer. I think another thing for me, too, is obviously the exchange rate from the U.S. I know we've talked about this before with eBay and import fees and things like that. Um, That's also a factor that if it's going to continue to be like this, which it likely is, it, it does make it a lot harder to collect because I don't want to spend, you know, one and a half times or two times what the game is worth on that game
0: right so would be not just the price but the the ability to actually acquire games is kind of becoming a demotivator for you as well as it's harder to get games into canada
1: yeah exactly and and like you said you know it's very popular and the biggest thing too is You know, uh, local listings for online ads are up and down and up and down. Like, things just go so quickly. There's so much more interest, and people are checking so much more regularly that it's hard to get the items sometimes.
0: True. It it is harder to get them. And I I don't know if we're at a a break point there where we actually have hit a a limit on, like, uh, supply and demand. And I don't think we will hit that point for just basic collecting because the games those people want... Uh, nostalgia-based collectors—I don't want to make, make it sound like those people. Uh, just you know, people who are just getting into gaming, you know, who want your Mario's and your Zeldas and your Sonics and you know, Final Fantasy sevens. Uh, there's so many of those types of games. I think those are always going to be accessible for collectors, and hopefully, right. the price doesn't go so crazy that it would price them out. But I think maybe on some of the super rare games, uh, maybe they're maybe we're getting to a point of supply and demand um, not not being at an a parody, uh, where you can find them. I I don't, I don't quite think we've hit that range.
1: And that does, things like that do, do make it harder for somebody who is trying to acquire a set.
0: Yes. Uh, got harder for me and you, I think, but I think, um, just your average nostalgia collector, I, I don't think we've hit any kind of, uh, demotivator there yet. I think price will be their first breaking point before we hit a lack of supply.
1: Yeah, I, I, no, I, I think you're right. And it's it's weird to think that now I'm considering things like, what am I going to do beyond N64 and Master System and, and things like that? Because they're not things I really, you know, kind of had to think about. NES got finished, I went on to other things. And, but, you know, it's not going to be long and those sets are going to be finished. And then you know, beyond a curated Game Boy collection, I have no idea where to go. I mean, I finish off the thirty-two X. I it's not a big library. That seems doable. That could be a logical place to go.
0: I think that's where new forms of motivation come in. And I'm curious what other people have to say about it. What what are the forces that are motivating them and keeping them in gaming. For me, when I hit like these kind of points in between sets, one I always kind of had the Super Nintendo as a as the big uh, the engine kind of pulling me along slowly but surely. But I, as it had me buying games, I was also falling in love with other systems. Like, oh man, this system would be awesome to collect for. I want to know about it. So it, right. it'll take that point for you. You'll have to hit that one game that makes you go, or that like one lot of games where you're like, I need to know more about this. Or now I have a critical mass of games. Maybe I do want to go for a set for this. Or redirect my focus in this area i think that kind of stuff has to happen but again you and i are kind of like set collectors so i'm i'm wondering what it is for other people what is that push that gets them there
1: and how has it changed like if you've been collecting for a while what was your motivation starting out and what's your motivation now
0: absolutely i i would love to hear you guys kind of respond about that and tell us you know once the nostalgia thing uh was over on well, that honeymoon period what what kept pushing you and i would also like to know if it wasn't nostalgia that got you into gaming what was it like uh, game collecting specifically like what how did you get here
1: yeah that's a good point because we always just think about you know you and i It was nostalgia and sometimes it's hard to think beyond the fact that there might be other reasons other than nostalgia
0: Right. Uh, I mean, I, for me, it's like, if it's not money, it's gotta be nostalgia, right? I think nostalgia is the number one answer, but that's in fairly in the box thinking, right? There could be someone who has a much better reason or a different reason. And yeah, please let us know about that. If, if you haven't hit that point or you were never there, how did you come to, how did you come to join our community?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to know, because I I feel like there's got to be somebody out there who feels like that.
0: Maybe there's no one. Maybe we've (laughs) just nailed the only two good reasons to be in collecting.
1: Okay, well, they're good reasons, so I'm fine. If there happen to be only two, I'm okay with it.
0: I mean, I pretty much doubt that there are only two, but maybe. Maybe. Someone just come out and tell us another reason, because my brain is pretty much done. I know it's only uh, the beginning of the week here, but I'm I'm ready for the weekend.
1: No, I I concur with that. (laughs) Yes. I'm good with that Um, another thing too I, I think one of the problems I've come across is NES was really exciting to collect for for me and other systems are but nothing has been the same excitement as the NES set and I'm thinking I want to have something that is exciting like that not that I don't enjoy what I'm collecting for and I enjoy you know all different facets of what I am collecting but it's just I don't know, maybe I put the, the NES set on a higher pedestal, but it's not the same. Even though the N64 is more nostalgic, the excitement isn't there because, you know, it started with one of our friends giving us um, a couple NESs and a lot of games and that sparked it. And then it went from there and it was so much easier to find stuff in the wild. And it, I don't know, it was just more of an adventure with that set.
0: That's, I think you should do Game Boy. I don't know if you should do Game Boy boxes because the Nest set isn't boxed, yeah. but I, I mean, maybe a choice few, but I think you should go for a cart only Game Boy set because I think it would look really cool next to the Nest set.
1: You know, yeah, and big, another custom shelf.
0: Yep. You know, the big gray carts and then the small gray carts too, right next yeah. to it. Maybe you pair them up so they are, uh, you know, the Game Boy shelf is less shallow. You make it too high, so it's about the height of a Nest game and they're just, like, two across.
1: Yeah, well, that would be a really cool way to do it because then it would give me something to pair with the NES games because they're probably going to be the only ones that, you know, I really am actively or have actively collected just the cart for.
0: Right. Oh, and, you know, it's a a logical pairing, right? First, First Nintendo console, first Nintendo handheld.
1: Yeah, and I like that, and I feel like I'm okay with that. If I can put it in a really nice shelf that it pairs well and it fits in, and looks really nice with the NES stuff, I think that's a great way to do it. And then there would still be ones that I would probably want to have boxed, but that would certainly make it a much more obtainable goal. And I think because, you know, I think it would have that fun factor.
0: Uh, I agree. That's what I think about with Game Boy Color. I think Game Boy Color is the predecessor to uh, Game Boy, much like the Super Nintendo. So I figured if I did commit it into a handheld, it would be Game Boy Color, because it's kind of like... Super Nintendo would make a logical pairing.
1: Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I think that's a really good way to do it, and at least if you had to do a handheld, at least, you know, like you said, it w- makes a, a reason that makes sense for you.
0: Yeah, I'm dabbling right now. i got my toe in the water.
1: You're just like, I'm just not going to play them.
0: Oh, no, no. Um, mm <laughs> do, do not want.
1: <laughs> no, unless you could play them not on a handheld.
0: Which I can with yeah. on a on a Super Game Boy
1: so, so. then you're you're fine
0: <laughs> right yeah see I, I just don't want to play on a actual Game Boy
1: no that's fair I mean not everybody likes handhelds I really like them though
0: I know well I also think Game Boy colors are the ugliest of all the handhelds okay uh, like I think the original Game Boy and the Game Boy Light you know I think those are fine but I think the Game Boy colors were like uh they like they made them too neon 90s color, like, turquoise and pink and like that lime green. Blech.
1: You just want everything to be like gray and black and dark colors.
0: <laughs> you just described me perfectly. That's how I want my whole life gray and blacks
1: and uh, dark colors. Maybe that's why you like the uh, Super Nintendo boxes so much. Yep. There's a good saturation of black there.
0: It, yeah. Super Nintendo is actually not the nicest looking set to look at. It's nice that it's all consistently black, but. It, there's no contrast, so it's hard to take a nice picture of.
1: So then when you have your Super Nintendo shelf versus your NES shelf, which boxes do you prefer seeing them on the shelf?
0: Um, you know, I, I still prefer the Super Nintendo boxes. I, I, That's fair. I like the fonts uh, most of the time better on the Super Nintendo boxes. Also, I just like seeing the Super Nintendo games. I, I've separated my NES boxes by color for the most part. Into um, like several publishers and their colors, like uh, the Tengen and the Konami and the Capcom and the Black Box games. Those are all kind of separated, so they at least look consistent. And in my Genesis games, I've it's completely color segregated. Sounds way worse when you say that, but I'm just talking about video games. I like a cleaner looking palette. That's fair, but I do like some contrast. That's like the Genesis games are kind of nice because you have. Like the black, red, and then, like, with the Master System games, you get the white in there, too. So you get, like, different pops uh, rather than just black wall of games.
1: Yeah, that that's fair. Now, I do have a question. With your Super Nintendo games, Are you do you have them broken up by, you know, publisher and stuff like that? Or did you do them alphabetically?
0: Just alphabetically, because all okay. the boxes are the same.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was I was assuming, but I was just curious, just in case you broke it up some different way. I'm an alphabetical person, so.
0: Well, all of my stuff by publisher is also alphabetical. I'm not a madman.
1: Okay, well, that's good. There is some organization. Of course, there's so, an organization. Some
0: organization?
1: You have a list for everything.
0: My organization is superior to most organization. All of you plebes out there with your alphabets, that's all you did? You alphabetized it? Oh, congratulations. Bravo.
1: I'm fine with my alphabetization. <laughs> Thank yes, you. Yes,
0: it's very alphabetized. Thank you.
1: <laughs> it's good enough for me, um, though oh, I do have...
0: Oh, a... very droll.
1: Yeah, well, you you can come look at my, like, three NES games that are definitely not in the right spots right now.
0: Ugh. <laughs> no, I've got stuff all over right now. It's not my favorite.
1: No. Oh, well, it has to happen that way sometimes.
0: Anyways, I think we kind of strayed away from motivation, but we would like to hear about it from you, so please go ahead and comment in mine or Kat's thread and tell us what you think. Probably Kat's thread, some more interesting thread, I understand that. Uh, so let her know, and then I'll read and comment also. So tell us there, and then Kat, let's close up the show the way we, the way we should, and you tell me what you bought.
1: All right, well, I get a Final Fantasy box with the Mattel logo. Very important. Very important.
0: Nice. It is the one Final Fantasy variant I'm missing, so I want that.
1: Very important. And uh, speaking of things you want, uh, the Lost Vikings.
0: Oh, you mean the gift you bought me is so (laughs) very nice of you.
1: Yeah, I I already put it in the mail.
0: (laughs) You guys are just the best.
1: Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. I've never played it. Don't know what it's about. I'm assuming Vikings. (laughs)
0: Lost Vikings is awesome. It's a pretty good game, actually.
1: Okay, so it's worth popping in and giving it a play, though. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Lost Vikings is good.
1: Good to know. And then other than that, just a handful of uh, N64 games, nothing super exciting. Uh, What about you?
0: Uh, I have bought some Wii games lately. I got, you know, like five or six of those. I got Wayne Games, sent me a few good ones, some of the big box titles I'm looking for. I just got a special Wii 2-pack from Target. Uh, it's Enchanted Princesses and, Entangled and, and, uh, Tangled, it comes with an exclusive Target slip cover, so, you know, some high quality games.
1: Alright then. You know, that's still some additions.
0: Oh, I, I mean, I also, I bought a, I bought a virtual pinball machine, no big deal, uh, should be here in about a month.
1: Okay, so you leave the exciting things till the last. I see how it is. Uh,
0: I mean, if you're excited by virtual pinball machines, which I am, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm. I, it's gonna be a month. It's gonna be a long wait.
1: Well, that's okay. It'll come.
0: <laughs> yeah, you sound like my wife. Thanks. Just it'll <laughs> just you're gonna have to wait. Bah.
1: Just be patient. You know, shipping things takes time.
0: Shipping is bullshit, and also building it. I mean, he's building it so. That's bullshit, too. I want it now.
1: Is it coming from Canada?
0: <laughs> no. No. Uh, one of the few times I'm thankful uh, for Arizona. It's coming from Arizona.
1: Okay. Well, that's fine. You'll get it in three days.
0: <laughs> for your Canadian geography, that is a state that is located right next to California.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. It's nice to have things in close proximity.
0: Yep. Uh, that means once... Uh, the building is going to be long. Part of the shipping will probably only take like three days, uh, but the him getting all the parts and... Setting it up will probably take him a month, he said, so okay. hopefully faster, but probably not.
1: Oh, well. It's worth the wait.
0: Yep. So what are you playing? Nothing? Still nothing?
1: No, not much of anything. Um, I, I have to <laughs> I have to give Life is Strange another good try.
0: Oh, God. Come on, Kat.
1: I know. I just need to get through it. I feel like I'm not going to like it. <laughs> you might not,
0: but that's fine. Just go play it. I'm not going to like Boohoo. Just go play just give it 45 minutes.
1: Okay, I will give it 45 minutes and then I will give you a long, very detailed synopsis.
0: Okay, well, if you only play for 45 minutes, I don't know how long <laughs> your synopsis can be.
1: It depends on how much I hate it. If I put enough you're adjectives not, in there.
0: You're not going <laughs> No. Hate know, it.
1: it might be really good. Um I've heard good things about it. I just I really have to sit down and have enough time that I feel like I can get invested in it because it's not my normal gameplay, which doesn't mean I won't like it. But it's something I think because it's not something I usually play, I have a harder time kind of getting into the game.
0: Yeah, you're probably going to hate it.
1: <laughs> so, no, you're not going to hate it. Stop whining. No, you're going to hate it.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling you'll probably hate it. It's I don't know if it's up your alley, but that'll be good too. And then we can talk about it. It has nothing to do with collecting except the fact that I bought the collector's edition, so... You know, I have a physical disc, you went download, but it was only $10, so even if you hate it, $10, so big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like $10 Canadian, too, so it was like 7 US.
1: Exactly, so it was really, really cheap, and who knows, maybe John will love it if I hate it.
0: Oh, I'm really sorry you spent that $7, kit. Yes, that's a dang right shame it is, I'm so sorry about it. <laughs> You're getting good with your Canadian accents there. I've been practicing, you know what? <laughs> Yep. Do you do that in the car on the way to work? I do it in the car a little bit on the way to work. You know I try to flag down the the moose that I see when I'm driving through the Great Wild North, but uh they don't they don't stop for me.
1: Oh, you're having a lack of moose in California?
0: No, I'm in Canada.
1: Eh? <laughs> if you can get to work by going through Canada and get there efficiently time-wise, I'm impressed. Oh,
0: uh, no. I I hate <laughs> I hate driving longer than I have to. If I could afford it, I would have a driver.
1: Oh, okay. That's fair. Uh,
0: Which I can't. Maybe if I didn't collect games, I could have a driver. (laughs) Probably still, Probably still not. Who knows, right? I know. And there's no good public transportation out here, so, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's my really bad, stereotypical, and offensive Canadian accent. And the Canadian word of the day for all of us in the U.S. is garburator, which is something I just learned about which is a garbage disposal here in the whoa, United whoa. States.
1: Whoa, you, yeah, well, we call them garbage disposals up here, too, but you didn't know what that was?
0: A garburator? Yeah. God, no. What? <laughs> it sounds like somebody sneezed and threw up at the same time.
1: I guess I should have expanded my Kinder Egg explanation into garburators last time.
0: Yeah, your Kinder Eggs and your Easter Mondays and your garburators. What the hell is going on up there? And why <sighs> can't I have it, too?
1: Oh, you can. I'm going to send you all the lovely candy bars we get that you don't. So jealous. I'm so jealous. (laughs) We get all the good things up here.
0: Yeah, and it's not, like, hot. Wonderful. Okay, that's not so wonderful. (laughs) You and my wife are on the same team here, but me, yeah, the colder the better.
1: Okay, well, fair enough. It's really cold here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll I'll try it out.
1: Well, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't like the East Coast so much though. I'm more of a West Coast person.
1: Well then maybe it's just just no luck. You're yeah. just gonna have to stay in California.
0: <laughs> or maybe I could go to Vancouver.
1: Yeah. Or Saskatchewan,
0: there you go. another Canadian place I know
1: of. <laughs> okay, well that's good. Your um accent might fit right out in up there.
0: Oh, are you calling Saskatchewan Toebillies? No, oh. I just
1: No, Ooh, you I'm hear not that, doing Saskatchewan? That. <laughs> i uh, know a couple of people from there who do have a noticeable accent not that that's a bad thing some people say we have an accent from where we are so
0: yeah all right well there it is people motivations canadian accents your new canadian word of the day and uh the game we bought thanks for listening oh one last thing cat where are you on instagram I'm at Catsylvania, K-A-T-S-E-L-V-A-N-I-A. And I'm Johnny underscore Iucci. that's J-O-H-N-N-Y underscore I-U-C-C-I. Oh, uh, not proper English, but another last thing. We are not going to be here next week. We are taking a break for Easter. Kat's going to enjoy Easter Monday. And I'm going to enjoy Easter Sunday. But she gets Monday off. I'm jealous. And that's it. We're out. Good night.